0: Alhamdulillah, he woke up with Salaman Allah by the Hiladi Nostafa and my bad. Father will lie him in a Rahman and Rahim, while Jahadu fina and a Subulana, so the Kullah Nadim. Subhanahu wa Bikarabila Zeti Ama wa salamun al Mursalin wa Hamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma Sali Allah, Sayyidina Muhammadi wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammadi wa Barako Sallim. Allahumma Sali Allah, Sayyidina Muhammadi wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammadi wa barikusallim Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alayhi Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik okay, So this week, inshaAllah, we're going to discuss two names, al-Jabbar and al-Mutakabbir. These were, in the very first session we had, there was a question about these names in particular. right? And These, are, these two are names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are, um, draws confusion amongst most of us, that how, how do we understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be Jabbar and Mutakabbir. So jabbar means, jabbar comes from the word jabbar, and jabr means to force or to compel someone, right, compulsion. Uh, jabbar is an adjective which means great or huge, unreachable by the hand, right, or unreachable by people. Something, it shows us something of uh, a being that is supreme. Now, how do we say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is jabbar? Another understanding of jabbar is that Imam Uzali rahmullah mentions it is the opposite of broken, so jabbar or jabbar means the opposite of something that's broken, which means that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is the one who mends or repairs, right? So he, for example, the examples that Imam Ghazali gives is he mends what is broken, and he enriches those that are incapacitated by poverty, right? So when something is broken, he repairs it. He mends it after it is broken. Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, he goes on and he mentions that the one allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being jabbar is the one who affects his will forcibly on everyone and thing and no one can force their will on him so how do we understand this does this mean that we force everyone to be muslim does that mean that we force everyone onto a specific methodology and a specific way no that's not what it means what it means is the famous verse that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in the quran that says wa makaru wa makar wallahu Right? That they planned, and Allah Taala plans, and Allah is the best of planners. Right. So what does this mean? That look around us in our in today's time. Right. There's so much propaganda against Islam, right, and against Muslims. Yet, like last week, there was the shootings. Right. And Donald Trump called for you know the actions that he called for. I was speaking to Sheikh Qasim. This happened last week, Friday. He went and gave Juma. Someone came to him and said, "I want to become Muslim." So despite everything that's happening, people still want to become Muslim. Right? People plan and plot. What happened in the time of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? They planned and plotted against him, yet Islam still spread. People's hearts were still open to it, and they were still becoming Muslim. Right? In France, where there's so much happening, it's the largest, it's the fastest growing religion in the world, and in France, it's growing faster than anywhere else. So wherever people are plotting the most against Islam and against Muslims, that's where it's also spreading the most. Right? This is them, This is people propagating against Islam, but Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is the one that Opens people's hearts, right? So when we try and dictate the Quran or we try to dictate the plan of Allah, it's not going to work. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will His plan will come to fruition, right? What Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wills, what He intends, that's what's ultimately going to happen, right? So this is what it means by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala com- being the compeller. Ibn Abbas anhu, right? He was known, obviously, he was a scholar amongst the companions, and he was the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu and he was particularly known for his tafsir. He mentions that Jabbar means the great king. Other, other scholars of the past, they mentioned uh, the one who's beyond anyone's reach. Others said that he is one who cannot be harmed by any oppressor, right? Nor can anyone dispute with him. So, Yawmul Qiyamah, when everyone comes and they gather before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can't stand there and say, and dispute with Allah about our actions. We can't say that, oh Allah, no, I did this, I didn't do such and such thing. We cannot dispute with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all, right? So Allah ta'ala, what He, again, what He wills and um, what He has intended, that's what is, that is what will come to pass. We cannot dictate it or change it, right? We can try to plan, but ultimately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan is what will take place. So when He decrees something, that's what happens. And nothing happens in this world, nothing happens except that it happens by the permission of Allah, nothing happens except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows it. So then the question comes that why does Allah ta'ala allow suffering? Why does Allah ta'ala allow people to be, um, you know, to not be good people, to oppress, right? Because it's within Allah ta'ala's control. If he stopped it, it would stop, right? And the answer is that this world is a test for us, right? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stopped us every time we intended to do something wrong, there would be no accountability, there would be no test, there would be no reckoning on the day of judgment, there would be no need for punishment or reward because Allah ta'ala would have stopped all the bad, right? And so the example that one of my teachers gave us is that it's not a it's not a matter of good versus evil, right? Like Allah versus Shaitan and they're battling it out, right? And sometimes Shaitan wins and sometimes Allah wins. No, Allah is allowing things to take place and He will take a reckoning from everyone, including Shaytan. Even shaitan Iblis, will have a reckoning and accountability with Allah Ta'ala. And he obviously, he's going to go into the fire, he's going to be punished. Right, so my teacher said that it's as far as what Allah Ta'ala wants to happen and what He allows to happen, is, can be understood by a teacher watching you take a test. That as the teacher walks by and looks over your shoulder and you're writing, they might see you write the wrong answer, but they allow you to write the wrong answer. They want you to write the, good answer, the right answer. Because they want you to succeed. But they will allow you to write the wrong one. Why? Because it's a test. Similarly, this world is a test. And Allah Ta'ala wants good from all of us. But He will allow us to do bad when we intend it. Because it's a test. Right? Is that clear? Yeah. Why is it a test? That's, you know, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He's created us. And if He didn't create this world as a test, then why would there be, why would we even be here? Right? The test will stop when we die. And the test there will be no test in the Akhirah. Right? That is the time to relax and that is the time for reward, right, and accountability. But if there wasn't a test, then there wouldn't be anything, like there would be no purpose to our existence. Right? Because the angels, they're not tested, right? Allah Ta'ala has not granted them a free will. They don't have the choice. When he gives a command, they do it. So if it was simply the worship that Allah Ta'ala wanted, the angels were already fulfilling that. Right? And so he created insan and he created jinn, he created mankind and, and jinn so that he could test us, right? And when he created, what happened? The angels even asked Allah Ta'ala, Ya yeah Allah, are you going to create a, such a person, such a people that will spread bloodshed in the land? And Allah said, what? That? You do not know what I know, right? And so that's why when insan does good, Allah Ta'ala turns to his angels and he boasts to his angels about us, yeah. How did they, they know that we would yeah. be such a people? You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them ilm. He's given them knowledge. And jinns actually, right? So the, the jinns, which are another creature, right? It's not, it's not appropriate to say jinns are devils, right? Because jinn are just another creation parallel to insan, parallel to humankind. They have some different abilities. There's some different things about them. Um, and when they go evil, they become devils right, so even humankind, even humans can become devils, right, if they become wicked enough. So the jinns were around before us, and the angels, possibly the angels, they saw how the jinns did, right, what, how the jinns acted, and so they recognized that, okay, well, this creature was created with a free will, and this is how they acted. Chances are, insan is going to act the same way, because they recognized the, the details and the intricacies of our nafs, of our lower self, right, so they recognized these things. Can yeah, answer your question? Right, so now, <clears throat> jabbar is something that is meant for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. This is a quality that we cannot share. We cannot share. I mean, Imam Ghazali will give us how our share is in this word of uh, in this name of Allah Taala, but this attribute, this adjective, the way that it is meant, we cannot have any share in it. Right. Well, so when it comes to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala being, um, you know, at the past names that we've discussed. Right, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like the protector and these types of things, we can have a share in that, right? Rahman, we can have a share in that. But jabbar is something that generally when it's used for people, it's used in a derogatory way. So when we say somebody is jabbar or Jabir, it means that they're usually an oppressor or they're rebellious. So it's not intended for us in the same way it's intended for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Imam Ghazali mentions that the one who conce- conceives himself as jabbar is one who is too arrogant to think he owes anything to anyone. When somebody sees himself as Jabbar, what does that mean? That means they are arrogant and they, are, they don't seek advice from anyone. They don't think anyone can help them. They think they are the smartest of people and don't need to turn to anyone else for advice, right? Whereas, what is Rasulullah said? What is the sunnah? It's to seek mashwara, right? The sunnah is to seek counsel from people. And the Prophet used to seek counsel from the Sahaba. He was the most knowledgeable person ever, <laughs> right? He was being guided by Allah, but he still sought mashwara from the Sahaba because. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to instill this methodology, this custom and sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam into our lives. So then Imam Ghazali says that a heart that is jabbar is when there is no mercy that resides in this heart. So a heart is jabbar when no mercy can reside in it and it's too arrogant to, again, accept advice. So one is a person becomes jabbar to think that he doesn't owe anything to anyone. And when a heart becomes jabbar, it thinks it's too high to take advice from anyone. And when somebody sees themselves as having become so mighty, then what happens? That's when they become an oppressor. Right? That's when they begin to oppress. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Shawara, wa وَإِذَا بَطَشْتُمْ بَطَشْتُمْ jabbarin, That you oppress as those who claim to be mighty oppress. So when somebody claims their own might, they begin to oppress people. Right? And we can see this throughout history, right? especially look at the example of Fir'aun. Right? Fir'aun's example is given in almost every single verse of uh, sorry in almost every single juz of the Quran Fir'aun is mentioned right why because there's so many examples that can be taken from the story of Fir'aun and when he became when he saw himself as too mighty he started oppressing everyone right he didn't want to take counsel from any from Musa salam and Harun salam. he oppressed his own wife he oppressed all the people around him right he became one of the worst I don't know maybe it's like a argument you could debate you could have is he the worst person ever <laughs> right possibly Right? Some would say Abu Jahl is the worst ever. He's known as the Fir'aun of this Ummah. Right? It's an interesting discussion. Now, the ulama, they mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he manifests himself amongst creation as Jabbar. How does he do this? Because we mentioned that Jabbar is one who mends things that are broken. So in reality, every single thing, like when, you, when something is broken, like a broken bone for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that mends it. It's not the doctors that mend it. What do the doctors do? They might do a surgery, they'll line the bones up, right? They'll line it up and they'll lay it out in a certain way. And they'll wrap it so that it doesn't move as much, right? But then what happens? The bones line up and then the tissues grow out and surround it. Different, um, like what, calcium and different deposits are put into the bone. And these things are mended together and they all work together to make the bone even harder and stronger than it was before. Who is it that made that happen? The doctor simply aligned it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that actually allowed it to be mended. Right? And so in that sense, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifests himself to us. Now when we say Allah Ta'ala is Jabbar is the forceful one, then what do we say? His will is what will take place. So if we look at the universe around us, we see that our body, all the organs, um, all the functions of the limbs, everything happens by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's perfect plan, right? Because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's perfect uh, placing and workings of the body. Also the universe, the sun, the moons, the planets, everything is in its orbit and it's perfectly in its orbit. Right? Scientists have said that if if any one of these planets in our solar system was slightly off in its orbit, it would have thrown the whole solar system out of whack. The entire solar system would have fallen apart because... Each has its own gravitational pull, right? And so everything by its pull is working in a perfect method. It's impossible that nature could have come up with this on its own. It's impossible. It's too perfect that nature could have come up with this on its own. We're not denying the gases creating the the different planets and all these things happening. We're not denying the Big Bang Theory, right? All of that is definitely a possibility. But it's that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that allowed it to take place. And He molded these things happening, right? Even in right? we look at ourselves. We have no choice when we are born. We have no choice when we die. We have no choice which family we're born in. All of these things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that forces it out. Right? There was an individual, a friend of mine, he said that a, um, he knew somebody, a couple, who decided they didn't want to have kids anymore. Right? They decided they didn't want to have kids anymore. So there's uh, surgeries you can do. right? The woman had surgery done so that she would no longer be able to get pregnant. And then she got pregnant after that, right? Because her body grew the things that needed to grow so that she could start expecting again, right? So we plan, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He wants something, then He makes it happen, right? He had decreed that this child be brought into this world through these parents and at that time. So despite them undertaking whatever they wanted to undertake, right, precautions, the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still, uh, still was decreed, right, still was carried out. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created the world and He created the ability for the world and all the different specimens to adapt in the different ways it adapts. Right? So when we talk about evolution and we say, well, when you look at a certain type of beetle and it's in a different land, right, or you look at people, right, people in different lands. For example, people like Africans, they, it's more difficult for them to gain, get a type of skin cancer caused by the sun, right? So their skin is darker, it's a better resistance. And you might say, oh, well, they evolved that way because they're in a place that's hotter, well, we're not denying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't allow these adaptations to happen. We're just saying it didn't happen on its own, right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that allowed it to happen. So He allowed all of these things to flourish. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this in, uh, in Surah, uh, Surah Rahman also, right? That He placed the earth and everything in it for the cattle and He allowed all of these things to grow. And then He says, which of the favors of your Rabb will you deny فَبِأَيِّ right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah, He made the workings of the world and the universe like this as a favor to us. He made it as a favor to us. Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, his counsel regarding this, is he says, The compeller among men is one who is too high to be a follower and has attained the level of one followed. Right? So he's reached such a level that there's no one for him to follow and everyone wants to follow him. And is distinguished by the elevation of his rank in such a way that his life and his manner compels creatures to emulate him. Meaning, he carries himself in such a way that when people see him, they automatically want to be like him. Right? It compels the people. They don't force the people, but the people feel compelled. Like my mother-in-law, she converted to Islam, and she said that you know she grew up in a in a she's Italian and she grew up in a Catholic house. And oftentimes, ca- ca- Italian Catholics are very hard against Islam. She said she didn't want to become Muslim. She was like staunch against it. But she just said she's like... She actually said that it's as though I was forced on it. That there was... The truth was so undeniable I couldn't resist it. I had to do it because I wasn't... There was no peace in my life like... The truth shines so bright I couldn't deny it anymore. So I had to do it. This is what the compulsion that that Imam Ghazali speaks about. That you yourself feel compelled to do it. And to follow him in character and his conduct. For he benefits creatures, but is not himself benefited. He influences, but is not influenced. He is allowed, he is followed, but does not follow. And no one beholds him without ceasing to attend to himself, and becomes so totally absorbed in him, so that he no longer attends to himself, nor does anyone aspire to sway him or to lead him. And the master of men, Muhammad Sallallahu Wasallam, enjoyed this attribute, inasmuch as he said, were Musa, salam, the son of Imran, alive, he could not but follow me, for I am the master of Adam's offspring, and this is no boast. Right? So people started, what happened is some of the companions started speaking and they started comparing between the uh the, the prophets. And they weren't comparing between Rasulullah salam and Musa salam, really, but they were speaking about the Torah and some of the verses revealed and the beauty of it. And you know, some of these discussions came up. So Rasulullah salam heard this and he said that if Musa salam, was to be alive today, he would have followed me. And I'm saying this without any boast. So, right, then we, the question comes that how do we show, like Rasulullah SAW, it seems like he boasted, right? But the fact is that he had no pride in his heart because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had removed it and Allah ta'ala had affirmed to him that you are the best of creation and you are the one that everyone will follow. We don't have this affirmation, right? We, Allah ta'ala has not revealed this to us that there's no pride in you. So we shouldn't try and take this example and say, well, Rasulullah Sallam shared his... Uh, nobility and 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 spoke of his nobility so we can also do that no because we don't have that guarantee that Rasulullah had because he was speaking to Allah directly right and Allah revealed this to him so we're going a little fast because we need to get through more does anyone have any questions on Jabbar before we move on to Mutakabir? no right so next is Mutakabir, and this means what proud so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is proud now I think the reason we have a problem, we tend to have a problem or we are confused by these two names specifically, is because we, we're making, we make Qiyas on ourselves. Right? We make an analogy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta-A'la on ourselves. We say, well, if pride is bad and evil, then how can Allah be proud? Because isn't it bad and evil? The reason that pride is bad and evil, the reason it's hated by Allah Ta-A'la is because He is the only one deserving of being proud. So Imam Ghazali mentions that mutakabir comes from kibriya. That's the root. And kibriya, its its root means greatness and sovereignty. Combining with it, the meanings of perfection of oneself and existence. And nobody can be described as such except for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That only greatness and sovereignty and the perfection of oneself is only combined in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So only when these attributes are brought together can somebody be proud. Are they allowed to be proud? Right? Now this doesn't mean that we can't say, oh I'm proud of my child, that's a different type of pride. This pride that's, that we speak about of being, um, uh, of being a negative quality is a proud to think that you are better than anyone else. So when you become pride, proud of your child, it's because you're, you're proud of their accomplishments, you're happy and delighted that they achieved something, that they were successful, right? But we have to be careful. What happens sometimes is one person comes and says, oh you know my, my son or daughter, they accomplished such a thing, right, they were given this award. And all of a sudden, somebody else jumps in and says, "Oh well, my my kid is also awarded by these things." No, no one's making an attack on you, right? They're not making an attack on your own child, on your child that my child is better. They're just sharing their own, the good of their child, right? Anybody has anybody ever heard this? People, like you, hear this, right? That we say something that my child, my child made the dean's list. Oh well, my child was also great. Okay, like you know, good job, you know. Like my my sister, she just she lives in Boston and she's. 12 years older than me. She just got an award, right, for like a businesswoman, you know? And um, when people, like when my mother shared this, there were some some of these aunties that jumped all over her. You know, my son is also, he also gets awards. (laughs) That's great. Nobody's saying anything against your children. You know what I mean? Like, good for them. You're just sharing something. And this is our nafs coming out of control. We feel like our nafs is being attacked, right? And this is a problem in, in corporate America, right, in the corporate world, that... Uh, we, don't try to do, we don't try to do a good job ourselves. We rather sh- try to show the negative qualities of someone else in order to get ahead. We should try to get ahead by doing a good job ourselves, right? Instead, we, we jump and sh- say that this person is doing this thing bad, this person messed up here, this person messed up there. And that's how we try and show ourselves to be good, that they messed up, I didn't mess up. No, just do a good job. You will be awarded, right? You will be awarded and you'll be rewarded. So Imam Ghazali says that the one who possesses all greatness and whose greatness and pride are supermost, this is mutakabir, The one, it's like a superlative, right? It's an emphasized way of saying great. That a person whose greatness is the most, the most great. And he's so great that he alone is justified in viewing himself as having greatness and pride. So he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who can be mutakabir, Because he's the only one that understands the reality of everything. Right? When it comes to the being of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala is that, his that, his essence. We cannot understand it. Right? We try and understand what Allah is by understanding what He is not. Right? That's how usually we understand what He is. Because we cannot fully comprehend the essence and being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah is the creator and He created everything. So He knows the details and intricacies of everything, including Himself. Right? Including Himself. So you can only View your, you can only judge between the greatness of one thing and the greatness of another when you have understood these two things. So, for example, in basketball, right, in sports, always there's a debate on who's the, who's the best athlete, who's the best basketball player, right? So people from a past generation will say, oh, Michael Jordan was the best, right? And then, you know, sometime later, Kobe Bryant came and everyone said, oh, he's the best. Then LeBron James came, everyone forgot about him. Now people are saying, what's his name? Any basketball fans? Steph, Steph, yeah, Stephen Curry, right? Everyone's saying oh, he's the greatest offensive player ever. Now, you can only compare them when you understand the intricacies of basketball and you understand both players in their time and their era. You have to un- have a certain knowledge about something before you can compare. So when it comes to uh, created things, only Allah has f- a full understanding and reality, understanding of the reality of all things. So he can look at himself and he can look at all other creation, right? all of creation, and recognize that he is truly mutakabir because his majesty and his uh, sovereignty is greater than everything else, right? And so it is for this reason that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one deserving of being mutakabir. So it's not a deficiency in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being mutakabbir. Now, if we, but if we perceive ourselves to be mutakabbir, uh, then, then there's a fault in that, right? If we think of ourselves to be great, this is called istikbar, somebody who seeks greatness for themselves. Right, not seeks greatness in, in terms of trying to be successful, but seeks to make themselves be known as great amongst people, better than everyone else, right, and looking down on others, and this is a problem. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala He said, He defines why it's a problem, right? What is the issue when somebody is mutakabir themselves? Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, "سَأَصْرِفُ آيات الَّذِينَ يَتَكَبَّرُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِ" That we turn away. Those people who are proud, those people who are have pride and arrogance, we turn them away from our signs when they are not justified in being proud and arrogant, right? They're not justified in it. And nobody is justified in it. So if we show pride and gibber, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will turn us away from his signs and his verses. و, uh, and when they see the verses or they see the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will not believe in it. And when they uh, uh, See this the the way the guided way, la sabila. They do not take the right path, so they can be shown the right way and they still they will still not take it. What happened? Abu Jahal. They were warring against the Muslims, and the Muslims left Makkah Mukarrama, right? They left to, to to get away from persecution. They're in Medina Munawwara, The war was brought. They fought against them in the Battle of Badr. The Muslims fought against the Mushrikeen of Makkah and Badr. Abu Jahl was brought down and he's laying there and he's about to die. Right? And as Abdullah bin Masood عنه, approaches him and he stands over Abu Jahl, Abu Jahl says that your Prophet is, the mo- is more hated to me now than he ever was. He's about to die and he still says like, he recognizes that he was, and he was brought down off his camel by children, two little children, Mu'adh and Mu'awwid, they brought Abu Jahl down, right? So he saw himself as so great and little kids actually, right, brought him down. Not like six, seven-year-olds. They were probably like between 12 and 15, right? They brought him down. Such a stature of like Abu Jahal. And when Abdullah bin Masood stood over him, he said, Cut off my head, but cut it from lower down so that, when, so that when the heads are lined up, then my head will stand higher than everyone else's. Like even in death, he had so much arrogance, right? And the Muslims didn't like cut off their head and line them up and show like who was higher. But... Be- <laughs> they just buried them, right? So even in that moment, he turned away and he was arrogant even in the last moments of, of his death. Right? And this is why he's probably worse than Fir'aun because when Fir'aun was about to die, when he was drowning, he actually called out, on, he actually called out to Allah. Right? But he was already, he re- like his death was already there. So Allah didn't accept it from him. Abu Jahl, even in his death, he, he was arrogant. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above submitting to others whereas everything needs to submit to him. And submission to Allah is where our, is what our iman is all about, submission to Allah. That's where we find peace, that we recognize our slavehood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right, so some people have an issue by, of being called the slave of Allah. Whereas being the slave of Allah is the highest attribute, the, high, the best description we can have. Because in Surah, Surah Al-Isra, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, سُبْحَانَ minal Aqsa, that. Glory be to Allah, the, uh, uh, ليلم, right? the one who took his slave, his abd, his slave from Masjid al-haram to Masjid al-aqsa. Rasulullah is the best of creation and Allah Ta'ala refers to him as the abd, as the slave of Allah. So being the slave of Allah is the highest attribute and description that we can have by being called the slave of Allah. Some people say, no, we're not the slaves of Allah, we're the children of Allah. I mean... Rasulullah was called the slave of Allah, so we should have no problem in being called the slave of Allah. Even this is pride, right? Because we denote slavery with something bad, something negative. So we don't want to be the slave of Allah, whereas being the slave of Allah is the best thing that we can be. Imam Ghazali then says that pride, is due, uh, pride due to the sense of being great is of two kinds. So when you have pride, it is a manifestation of one of two things. The first is when someone's actions are truly great. And they are better than those of anyone else's, right? And this is the meaning of the verse in Surah Hashar That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling himself mutakabir. why? Because his actions have been greater than anyone else's actions. He brought the whole universe into existence. Everything. And we can't even realize the intricacies of the universe. And Allah ta'ala brought it into existence. Right? It wasn't a simple, like, you know, whatever the smallest cells just deciding on their own that, okay, this is what I need to do to survive, right? And this is what I need to do uh, in order to avoid, you know, being consumed or whatever else, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put everything in its due place. So what Allah ta'ala has achieved, no, nobody else could have achieved it, right? So this is what is meant when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He is mutakabir, that what He has done is greater than what anyone else could have done. The second uh, the second method, the second sense of, the second kind of when somebody says they are great, they recognize their own uh, greatness, or sorry, the, they have, the second occasion where somebody has pride, right, due to greatness, is when it is artificial. They falsely perceive themselves to have done something great. So <clears throat> this is usually, the, this is the case because we, why is it artificial? Because when we achieve something great, it happens, not because of our own accord, but because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who allowed it to happen. And when we remove Allah from the, from the picture and say, no, I achieved it on my own, then this is a false sense of achievement, right? We can recognize what happens when somebody goes and, and you go to the people who are close to Allah and you say, you know, oh, you have so much knowledge, or oh, you did such a great thing. What do they say? They say, alhamdulillah, it is all by the will and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our teachers used to tell us, that you know your capability and your ability to do something to serve the deen has nothing to do with your acceptance of serving the deen right meaning there's people greater than us more capable than us to serve the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do the khidmah and work of deen but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses individuals right some people sometimes people are very capable of it but they're not serving the deen at all right what happened Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he saw this this capability in two people, Umar and Abu Jahl. Both of their names are Umar. So Rasulullah said, he made dua that, Ya Allah grant me one of the two Umars. Grant me one of these two Umars in my Ummah. Because he recognized that they had a great ability to lead the people and to bring the people into Islam. Right? So Abu Jahl was also capable, but he didn't serve the deen. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses. Greatness does not come from ourselves, it is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows it to come from us. He chooses us for this greatness. So when we perceive ourselves as having done something great without help from Allah, then this is where the problem lies. This is artificial greatness because it wasn't from ourselves. And the ulama then write that the reason gibr is so betroth- so hated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, so loathed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is because gibr is, the place of gibr is where? The place of gibr is in the heart right that's where we feel arrogance and pride we can show humility to people right we can look at somebody when they when they praise us and we say no it's all from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala i'm nothing but we don't necessarily feel it in our heart yeah Sorry, what's kibir kibr is the is pride right okay. so mutakabbir comes from the word kibir okay so the place of pride is the heart and we can show humility amongst people but we don't necessarily believe it in our own heart and this is such a major problem because the famous hadith of Rasulullah when he said that anyone who has a mustard seed of arrogance, a mustard seed of pride in the heart, will not enter Jannah. Anyone who has the slightest amount of pride will not enter Jannah. Right? So when you go into Jannah, it has to be removed from you first. And there's a hadith wherein Rasulullah said, Allah, inna fil jasadi Mudghatan," that indeed in the in the body is a piece of flesh. salahat salah al jasadu, that when the uh, كله, that when it is rectified, when it is made pure, the entire body is rectified. Wa fasadat fasad al jasadu kulluhu, and when it is spoiled, then the entire body is spoiled. Allah qalb, that behold, it is the heart. That in the body is this piece of flesh, the heart. When the heart is rectified, the entire body becomes rectified and when the heart is spoiled, the entire body becomes spoiled. So kibr, pride takes its seed in the heart and it is from there that it's allowed to grow and flourish. And so when it spoils our heart, then our entire body becomes spoiled. right? And then look at what happens as a manifestation of kibr. Right? Look at, for example, Nazi Germany. What happened? Hitler. What happened? Right? He saw himself, even though he wasn't of the Aryan race. But he saw the Aryan race as being superior, right, Blonde hair, blue eyes, being superior. And so they actually had different grades of this, that the lighter that your skin was, the blonder that your hair was, and the closer your eyes were to blue, right, was different ranks. And so this pride and arrogance, it spoiled them and it spoiled their entire nation. This is what happens, pride is the root. What happened with Iblis, right? He was, Iblis was an alim, he was, Iblis is a scholar, right, he is a scholar. And he knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's described as being Alim Billah and Arif Billah. He's recognized Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's being for what it is, right? As much as it can be recognized. He is very scholarly. He knows a great deal, right? That he was the head of the angels. The angels used to come to him because it was prophecy to them that there would be such a being that would be so great in his worship. Um, He would be so great in his worship, but he would fall from his status, He would fall from his maqam, his rank. So all the angels used to come to him and say, supplicate to Allah that this is not one of us because all the angels are great worshippers of Allah. So he supplicated on behalf of all of them that, Ya Allah, do not let these angels be that being who falls from their maqam and who becomes hated to you. But he never made that dua for himself. He never made that dua for himself. And then when Allah Ta'ala told him that you submit and prostrate to Adam it was his kibr, his pride. He said. Ya Allah, I, you made me from fire and you made him from dirt and I am better than him. Right? He said I am better than him. It was his pride that spoiled him. Right? And then he became what he became, he became wretched and he became accursed. And it's a very gibber being with is very dangerous because Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says in Surah Mu'min, Surah Ghafir, right? Two names for this. Allatheena <laughs> yujadiluna fi bi sultanin أَتَاهُمْ kabura maqtan عِنْدَ wa inda الَّذِينَ amanu. That those who dispute regarding the verses of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala without having the authority to do so. Right, they are hated according they are hated by Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala and the believers. That like that Allah Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala seals the hearts of every mutaqabbir and jabbar person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seals the heart of every proud and arrogant person. So what happens? People dispute, they argue regarding the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without having the knowledge to do so, right? A, there was, once upon a time, a place of debate amongst the scholars, right? Imam Shafi rahimahullah, he used to say what? That when I debate, when he would debate with somebody, he would say that, he would make dua that Ya Allah manifest the truth on his tongue. Because he feared that they would not accept the truth if it came on Imam Shafi's tongue and he was ready to accept the truth on someone else's tongue. Imam Abu Hanifa would sit in a gathering of 40 to 70 scholars and they would debate on the different rulings and interpretations of the Quran, right? But when they were sitting in one place, somebody sitting in the same room but at the other end of the room couldn't hear them arguing, couldn't hear them debating because they were speaking with such softness. That was the time of debate. Malana Ashraf Ali Tanwi, he was a great scholar of Darul Deoband. When people would come, when the ulama would come to him for spiritual rectification, he would say to them that make tawbah from debate. Pledge to me that you will never debate again. So they said, why? He said, because the time of debate is over. Now people only debate to push their own agenda to prove they are right. That's the only reason people debate now. Right? So what happens now, our pride takes such hold of us that even when the truth is said to us, we refuse to accept it. A couple weeks ago, I was at Islamic house and I gave Juma there. And um, somebody had an issue with the way I did the khutbah, right? So the way I do the khutbah is I get up and I, I'll give a, a, a talk in English, and then I'll do two Arabic khutbas, right? And, you know, there are, you know, there are opinions that say that you can do the khutbas in English as long as some Arabic is said in them, and ayat, and there's a certain etiquette, certain things that have to be mentioned, as long as those things are mentioned. But the dominant opinion is that the khutbah should be in Arabic, okay? I'm not saying it's invalid to do it another way. Now, when I was in school, like, this was very common. I don't know. It seems maybe it, you guys aren't used to that anymore. <clears throat> but that's how I do the khutbah, right? And it's a, somebody comes to me afterwards, and they say that, you know, why did you do it like that? So I said, do it like what? He said, you, were at, you did what the munafiqeen used to do. I said, what's that? He said, you can't give a dars before the khutbah. I said, it's just some advice and some... The Sahaba actually, and I quoted to him, the Sahaba actually used to do this. During the khilaf of Umar uh, Abu Hurairah and other Sahaba would sometimes come out before Umar came out to do the khutbah on the day of Jummah. And they would have a dars, a little halaqah. They would give some words of advice. Then when Umar would come out for the khutbah, they would sit down and he would get up and do, he would do the khutbah. So it's established from the practices of the companions that they used to do this, right? When I said this to him, refused to accept it. He actually said to me that, you know brother, we just have to accept the truth when it comes to us. (laughs) And he said a lot of these things are just daif. You don't even know like daif, a hadith being daif is in terms of its sanat, is in terms of its chain of transmission, the people who narrate the hadith. I didn't narrate the hadith, the, the chain of transmission to you, and you're saying it's daif. That tells me you have no knowledge of what is da'if and what is not da'if, right? So we allow our own pride and our arrogance to take such hold of us that when somebody tells us the proofs behind it, the sunnah methods of doing something, we refuse to accept it because we view it as something else, right? And then he said, no, uh, you know, ra'isul munafiqin used to do this, right? That the head of the munafiqeen, he used to get up uh, before Rasulullah, when Rasulullah would sit down on the mimbar, then the head of the munafiqeen would stand up and say, everybody listen to him. And that's all he would do, he would, then he would sit down. Right, but after his nifaq, after his hypocrisy manifested, the sahaba would grab him and pull him down. They say, No, you can't do this. So he was this person was equating what I did to this the head of the Munafiqeen, right? The fact is we have to be very careful, right? We have to be very careful when we discuss opinions and when we it's fine to have a question, right? Because what happens when we have pride and arrogance and we debate, and most of us are debating without having any knowledge. Right? There's a saying that says uh, su'alu uh, or saying uh, saying uh, saying that i do not know is nisful ilm is half of knowledge recognizing you do not know something is half of knowledge why because it you have to have humility to recognize that you don't know something and to not try to push your own agenda and second then you go and you research for it imam malik rahimullah was visited by somebody a messenger from from misr from egypt and he was asked 40 questions that he said i brought these questions from the people of egypt And Imam Malik said, I don't know, to 36 of them. He was known as the alim of Medina, about who Rasulullah said that there will be the alim of Medina, the scholar of Medina, that the people will travel from the east and the west and they will not find anyone more knowledgeable in the land than this person. It's consensus that Rasulullah was speaking about Imam Malik, although he didn't mention his name. Imam Malik said, I don't know, to 36 of the 40 questions. How many of us could do that? And when this person said, like, what am I supposed to tell my people? He said, tell them, Imam Aliq doesn't know. <laughs> right? That's the humility that, that these people had. And we study a little bit or don't study at all. And then we come and we argue and we debate and we force that, no, we are right. When we do this, the harm is that the rust on our hearts becomes so much that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yatba'u allahu ala qalbi mutakabbirin jabbar. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seals the hearts of the people who are pride, proud. He seals our hearts. And that's where the danger is. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala further says, that enter, what will happen to the people who are mutakabir? That he says, enter into the gates of Jahannam and live in it forever. Right? That this is the abode, what an evil abode for the people who are proud and arrogant. And in Surah Zumar Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that on the day of judgment, those who deny the verses of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, their faces will be darkened. fi Jahannama, Mathwal That is, Jahannam not the abode for the mutakabbirin. right? The people who deny the verses of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala due to their pride and arrogance, their abode will be Jahannam. Why? Because مت- uh, uh, kibr is what manifested in their hearts and flourished and rose out in their hearts. Now Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, He also says. In a Hadith Qudsi, he says, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in a Hadith Qudsi, he says, that "kibr, pride, is my, uh, is my cloak, right? Kibr is my cloak, and greatness is my covering or my wrap. Whoever." Disputes with me in one of these two things, whoever challenges me or whoever tries to uh, compete with me in one of these two things, that I will cast him into the fire. So these two things, kibr, right, to be uh, uh, jabbar and mutakabir, these are qualities reserved only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is rightful of them and we are not rightful of them, right? And what happens if we have kibr? because rasulullah said that nobody who has a mustard seed of kibr will enter jannah so what's going to happen it has to be purged from us and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa ma sudurihim min that we will purge from their hearts the rancor that they contained and once it is removed from our hearts then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow us into jannah now what is our share in in our share in mutakabbir imam ghazali he says that the proud among men is the knower skilled in renunciation. So kibr is something that usually a person looks at themselves and they, see them, they set themselves apart from everyone else, thinking they are better. But our share in kibr is that we also set ourselves apart, and, but we look at ourselves in our humility. That we, rather than look at ourselves as being greater than everyone else, we look at everyone else as being better than us. That is our share. That we should view ourselves as being lower than everyone else. And we've, subhanAllah, you meet some of the ulama, some of the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they actually believe this. Like, sometimes we give lip service and say it, but they actually believe this with such humility. One of my friends, he went to Yemen, right, for the a deen intensive they had, which was like a month and a half program. And he said when they got there, you know, they met some people there, um, and they saw these people cleaning the rooms, and then they saw them cooking the food. Um, and serving them. So they thought, oh, these must be like the hired help, right, the servants. And after a few days passed, they would see them, they would give them salam and whatnot. And then when they actually went in after a few days for their dars to start, those same people that were cooking their food and cleaning their rooms and serving them sat down at the head, at the front of the class, and they sat down to teach the class. These were the teachers and the scholars, and the highest level of scholars that they have over there. Such humility, right? But what happens to us, right? We're like ready to be served by everyone. (laughs) Right, ready to be served by everyone. I know I'm better. I, you know, don't you know that I studied this, I studied that, I went to this place and that place. Subhanallah. You know, you meet some of these people and you have no idea that they are scholars. No idea, right? And people do great things and we don't we don't recognize it that they actually inculcate this into their lives, right? And so Imam Muzali says that the the knower, the arif, the one who has recognized Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, he is skilled in renunci- in, in in renunciation meaning renunciation lies in freeing himself from whatever would distract his heart from the truth and in disdaining everything but the truth may he be praised and exalted thus despising both this world and the next while removing himself from whatever in either one of them could distract him from the truth most high from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meaning even the akhirah like bothers him that he says the akhirah is distracting me from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they recognize that all of this is غير الله. All of this is other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and my objective is to attain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the highest state, right? It's a very difficult state, right? But luckily he says that there is still for those of us who are not able to achieve this status, that we settle on making an exchange of this dunya for the next, right? And that's okay, right? We exchange, it's like a bargain, right? That we say, okay, I'm going to give up those... Desires that I have in this world that involve stepping on the rights of others, or or fulfilling my nafs in every aspect, I'll give that up so that Allah will reward me in the hereafter, right? And it's like a, it's a bargaining chip, right? I'll give you, I'll give this up a little bit now so that I can have a greater share of it in the akhira, because so this is the share that we can uh, that we can take from Mutakabir. Then I was reading, there's another scholar, I think he's Algerian. He says that we should remember, how, what is the cure for this giver? We should remember, he says, that we should testify against ourselves. A person should testify against his, his own self, that his origin is a filthy sperm, that he has made his way through two urinary tracts, that he carries the stink inside his stomach, that his resting place is a hole in the ground, that the worms will feast on his corpse, that the earth will consume him, that he will be exposed on the Day of Judgment, that when he is unable to relieve himself naturally, he feels humiliated, and that when he has a minor headache, he seeks help. This is our state. So why do we have? Why are we proud? Look at Pharaoh. He said, "Ana Rabbukumul A'ala." He said, "I am the highest Rab." And look at him now. Allah Taala said, "I will make him a sign for all of mankind." And what happened? His body is still preserved without mummification, and he is actually shipped around the world in a traveling museum, and people can see his body. Pharaoh, right? Ramses the Second, right? And Ali radiAllahu Anhu, right? Who Right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him to be the one whom the progeny of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would continue through. Right, The fourth Khalifa of Islam, one of the most knowledgeable of the ummah. He said that the son of Adam is truly amazing. A wound can end his life. A bug can cause him pain. His sweat can make him stink. So how can he ever feel proud? It's a very powerful statement. Right. This is our state. We have to remember that one day we're going to be six feet in the ground and we're going to be questioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whenever we feel that anger coming up in us, and whenever we want to dispute with someone, we should remember this. We should remember this statement, right? That we're going to be six feet in the ground, right? We're going to be a corpse, and things are going to feed off of us, right? Especially if we fulfill our nafs, right? If we don't, Allah ta'ala will protect our soul, but our body will still be consumed, right? In the ground. That's what we are. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Any questions? How are you guys doing with the whole Islamophobia? <laughs> Any issues anybody's had?